0: welcome to fifth walls fly on the wall podcast where we explore the shifts occurring in real estate technology and society that are driving our cities towards a more equitable green and tech enabled future i'm your host brendan wallace In this episode of Fly in the Wall, I am joined by Angela Johnson, a partner at Deathwall. Angela has no shortage of real estate experience as she became a landlord and personal investor shortly after college. We discuss her passion for real estate, the emergence of prop tech from her perspective, and how capital allocators can hedge their bets through technology. Enjoy the episode. Angela, thank you so much for joining. Where are you coming in from?
1: I'm dialing in from New York City, right here in the heart of Lincoln Center. So nice. it's, it's great. We're, Beautiful we're, day today.
0: We're on opposite ends of the island. But um, yeah. obviously, we're, we're so thrilled to welcome you to the team and to be working together. And maybe can you start just with your background, like your career arc leading up to Fifth Wall?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, I'm incredibly excited to be here. I mean, this is such a, spe- a very special place. My career has been quite interesting and it, it started from tech banking and a ton of time in the commercial real estate space and it feels like now it's coming full circle which is really exciting from my standpoint. So I started in tech banking at Merrill Lynch as an intern while I was studying management information systems at the University of Texas at Austin. I actually thought I wanted to be a systems analyst who developed software programs to solve business problems. And then the tech bubble burst while I was in college. And I said, okay, maybe I need to think a little bit broadly about how I can get more exposure to the financial world. So Tech banking was a great intro, and then I moved into the financial institutions group at Merrill Lynch. When I got my first investment banking bonus, I called my dad, who was a residential real estate broker, and I said, hey, I want, I I don't know if I can ever afford anything in New York City. It's so expensive. I want to buy an investment property. And he sold single family homes. He was elated. And in that process, I became a landlord at 22 years old. So what I found myself doing is during the day, I was working on these insurance financial models and asset managers, and it was very intangible. What really excited me was when I got home, even though I was exhausted, I was an analyst, by the way. I still spent a lot of time on my little, you know, very simple DCF models for my little real estate portfolio. And I said, maybe this could be a real job. And I transitioned over to the Global Principal Investments Group at Merrill, where we were actually investing off of Merrill's balance sheet in commercial real estate assets across the globe. And it was incredibly exciting. And through that process, I ended up meeting the principals at what was then RLJ Development, um, a boutique real estate private equity firm focused on hotels. And so they brought me over and they said, look, come join us. We'll teach you the ins and outs of owning hotels. So I started. On the acquisitions team and the capital markets team, really understanding how to evaluate hotels. And because the firm was so small, I really got to see the life cycle of owning hotel assets. And all the principals had gotten their MBAs. I went to Harvard Business School, where a lot of the principals had gotten their MBAs, and it was it was a fantastic experience. While I was doing my summer internship, I uh, went to what I thought was my dream job in Europe with MacArthur Glenn, a real estate developer who developed designer outlet centers across Western Europe. And my specific project that summer was to think through ways to incorporate renewable energy sources into their development. And it was it a was great experience. I traveled across Europe, understood the full development process, and then the world kind of fell apart a little bit. That was the summer of 2008, and I really understood how market context really impacts your investment strategy. So in that period of time, as I was graduating from Harvard Business School, I reached out to the principals at RLJ, begged them to take me back. And because I understood all of the deals that we had done before I went to business school, they did bring me back, but it was kind of my trial by fire experience in investor relations. So because I understood the deals, the world was moving and changing very quickly, kind of similar to the dislocation we saw in the hotel space and across the real estate space, more generally at the onset of COVID-19, but this was more capital markets driven versus what ensued from a demand side uh, last summer. Uh, But really, it was great to sit there with the investors, understand why they were asking the questions they were asking, getting them comfortable providing the information they needed in the way that they needed it. I realized I really liked that side of the business. I really enjoyed interacting with the investors, being a thought partner to the investor. And so post business school, I stayed in commercial real estate However, I transitioned a bit, and I work with some very large, reputable global private equity firms who are looking to scale their newer real estate platforms. And in that capacity, I was both kind of a strategic partner in terms of helping them build out those businesses, but also thinking through ways to not only raise capital from different types of investors, but to think through new product development that actually provided a solution to what the investors were trying to solve within their portfolios. And so I've stayed on that side of the business most recently at a more boutique real estate debt firm who was looking to diversify their investor base both across investor types and geography, but also think through new ways to expand their product line. And now I'm here at Fifth Wall and really, really excited about the opportunity of interacting with more investors and making sure investors across the world know what it is and how special the proposition is that fifth wall has to offer.
0: And maybe you can talk about just like in your role, obviously doing capital formation in and around real estate capital markets broadly, like when did, you know, real estate technology become something that, you know, was relevant to what you were doing?
1: Yeah, it's, it's a great question because I think, you know, I've worked with some of the very, very large players in this space. And I think it's something that everyone is trying to be, you know, get their heads around and there's various levels of comfort with innovation. But I think early on and early, I mean, like maybe five years ago when you guys started the company, it was kind of this just cool thing that people did. And it was more viewed as a cost center, probably more than anything. But I think as we've progressed in the cycle, More and more real estate players are thinking about how to differentiate their portfolios. And as you attend industry conferences, as we've had other industry experts come in and talk to us, as we're thinking through positioning the portfolio, prop tech and technology itself has been the differentiator in terms of what tenants are seeking, how to improve margins and operating efficiencies. The way to do that is through technology. And I think the challenge has been really understanding for the real estate players how to find The best technologies. I was at a, I'm on the innovation committee for Crea, which is a very large industry organization. And Brad Greedy spoke to our innovation affinity group and it was oversubscribed. Everyone wanted to understand what is this thing that Fifth Wall is doing? How can we find the best technology solutions to the problems we face? And now it is something that I'm hearing consistently across very, very large, sophisticated investors who want to get their heads around what technology can do for their portfolios. And by the way, with the dislocation and disruption that has ensued post COVID-19, this is the way to, to basically reposition your portfolios in the face of disruption. I think the real estate players now know this is what they need to adopt technology to help them get through this period of time. And make their portfolios quite resilient as the market dynamics continue to change in the future.
0: And what's interesting, obviously, is that, you know, as Fifth Wall has grown, we've, you know, grown from seven strategic LPs in our first fund to now over 70 strategic LPs from 15 different countries and every major asset class of, you know, the real estate sector. And I think what what we haven't seen yet is the major allocators to those real estate organizations, to those REITs and public or private real estate companies, also make their own internal allocations to prop tech. But I think we're probably at the beginning of a cycle where you know real estate technology and prop tech becomes an increasingly important part for allocating to broadly all real estate capital markets for any allocator. Mm -hmm. How do you think they should be thinking about that? Right. Because what what's always challenging is, you know, for Any investor who's used to investing in brick and mortar buildings and, you know, real estate companies, investing in venture capital and investing in technology is quite foreign. How do you think they should make that that mental
1: leap? It's a great question. And, and, And that's one that I'm here to try to help solve, because I think the fundamental, I don't say problem, but conundrum here is that a lot of these very large allocators are in a position where preservation of capital is key. Interest rates have come down. We're in a probably lower returning environment as related to real estate. So they're trying to think about how to position their portfolios for the future. These are 20 and 30 year investment horizons that they're thinking about. And so it's just a matter of understanding one, what's the investable universe in this space Two, will they get rewarded and compensated for what is perceived to be the risk in this space? And three, it's true from a bucketing standpoint, where does this actually fit? Which team actually does the underwriting? And how do you then ensure that you're taking into consideration all of the stakeholders within your system of, you know, whatever your approval process is, and ensure that everyone understands what we are pursuing within the context of PropTech? And so I think that eventually there should be a pure allocation to Prop Tech. Initially, it's probably gonna sit somewhere. In between your growth private equity your venture capital or likely in many cases within your real estate bucket i think it really depends on the institution but as you're thinking about your resiliency of your portfolio this is the wave of the future this is the way that your portfolios are going to be able to weather any additional market you know dynamics and conditions that that that, that materialize, any kind of disruptions that materialize, whether it be something similar to another health pandemic, whether that be climate change, there's a lot of uncertainty out there, but technology can actually provide solutions to address these concerns. And I think it's imperative that many of these capital allocators actually understand and are educated about what it is that prop tech can provide for their portfolios and what exposure to prop tech can provide in terms of the diversification across their investment portfolio generally
0: And you know another interesting dynamic is is this collision between what is today called real estate tech or, or prop tech and and climate tech. And obviously, when Fifth Wall started, we really only had one kind of franchise, which was our, our, our tech fund. But what's interesting is that by virtue of all these relationships with these strategic LPs and just given, you know, where the world is right now, where capital markets and regulators and tenants and consumers are so overwhelmingly focused, obviously, on the real estate industry's almost culpability in climate change. Climate Mm -hmm. tech has become incredibly important to these large, you know, real estate owner operator developers, but also to their sources of capital. How do you think, you know, also, you know, large real estate capital allocators should be thinking about allocating to climate tech? which again feels like a departure from, you know, the traditional things you do, which is allocating to real estate debt and equity. You're investing in high technical risk, you know, alternative energy, materials, tech building systems, technology businesses that are, you know, quite a departure, but where the real estate industry needs to have a point of view around how to solve its overwhelming contributions to climate change. The, you know, the statistics I think that we've discussed are it's real estate is 13% of US GDP, but 40% of US CO2 emissions. So, there's no industry that is going to have to grapple with this more than real, the real estate industry. How do you think capital allocators should think about that?
1: It's a question on the forefront of pretty much every capital allocator's mind. It's not necessarily just an altruistic objective, it's a risk objective as well, a risk mitigation objective. And so, it, it is probably one of the largest existential threats to a capital allocator's investment portfolio. And I think getting their heads around The groups and the technologies that can actually facilitate this bridge to net zero carbon emissions through technology is the way that they should be thinking about it. And I think that it is the the responsibility of these organizations to think through where they can actually allocate, de-risk that, allocation in terms of the the risk profile, so looking at groups who have de risk I think, from a venture standpoint, Feth Wall's model is quite compelling. Because you have the corporate allocators, uh, the corporate partners here, they are the ones who are asking for the technologies. You are able to source the startups that have the highest probability of being successful in terms of mitigating these various existential risks as related to climate change. You then have developed a filtering system, a process to diligence these various startups who have the highest probability of being successful. And then I think what's also compelling about the model is your distribution capabilities. So you actually have the ability to help scale these businesses where they'll actually make an impact. And at the end of the day, what this is doing, it fits within the context of what an institutional allocator's primary objective is, is identifying ways to generate repeatable alpha which this model has proven that it can do, but you're also getting the incremental benefit of addressing an issue that's existential to your portfolio, to your profile as related to climate change. And I don't think you should be identify. I don't think you should be evaluating the prospect any differently from any other type of investment from this from this angle. I think that you've created a great kind of mousetrap to identify the technologies that are gonna help these companies address their strategic initiatives as related to climate change within the context of the fifth wall model.
0: I guess, you know, as you look forward, obviously, you've come from, you know, such a strong background and, and, and pedigree and helping, you know, owners of real estate, right, raise capital from the right partners who want to find the right kind of risk reward profile and the right way to allocate either geographically or based on, you know, asset class. The world is making this transition into, you know, prop tech being one of the most important categories of of real estate. What excites you most about kind of helping, you know, a firm like Fifth Wall navigate that and get exposure to some of these large investors into the sector?
1: Yeah, I think, first of all, it's exciting. I've always been a person who enjoys having an impact. And I think what you've demonstrated so far in a very short period of time is that the model works and we can have a true impact on this industry that I absolutely love. I love the commercial real estate industry. However, it's been slow. Like I said, there have been early adopters, but a lot of the industry has been kicking and screaming, but they're coming, they're coming. And I like this idea of actually being part of the solution. That's a problem that's addressing, like you said, the largest contributors to some of the problems within as related to climate change, but in terms of the actual size of the market. I think that scaling this business is going to be a lot of fun. and I think that a lot of institutional investors, once they realize what you are doing in terms of providing real solutions, they're going to see Fifth Wall as a thought partner. And at the end of the day, the investment management business is all about trust. It's all about building trust. And it's all about maintaining that trust because we're fiduciaries. And I think once Many of these allocators understand that Fifth Wall is a true fiduciary, is really identifying ways to help grow their portfolios. They're going to be long-term partners, and we're going to grow, and it's going to be exciting, and we're going to do it very thoughtfully. And I'm really looking forward to being part of that of that uh, trajectory.
0: Well, Angela, we are so thrilled to have you, and you know, just excited to get started working together.
1: Thank you so much, Brendan. I'm really excited to be here, and I can't wait to get started. Let's do this.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Fly on the Wall. All of these episodes and more are available on our YouTube channel. To learn more about Fifth Wall, visit our website at www.fifthwall.com.